Hi, I'm Tara, co-founder of Complex Creatures. Um, Femtech to me is a reclamation of the female body. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today I interviewed Tara Elmer, the co-founder of Complex Creatures. Complex Creatures is a breast wellness brand that makes topical and ingestible products to support breasts. Women mostly pay attention to their breasts when there's a problem. Complex Creatures wants to make breast care a regular practice, in the same way that women take care of other parts of their body. In this interview, we discuss Tara's experience being diagnosed and treated for breast cancer and how it inspired their product lines. I'm personally a huge fan of their breast oil, and Femtech Focus's board director, Sahar Paz, just conquered her battle with breast cancer and greatly benefited from their breast balm. This holiday season, treat the loved ones in your life that have breasts with Complex Creatures products. Go to wearecomplexcreatures.com and enter promo code FEMTECH for 25% off your order. That's a huge discount exclusively for our listeners. Wearecomplexcreatures.com, promo code FEMTECH. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Tara. Welcome to the show. Hey, Brittany. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, as you can tell from my voice a little bit, I'm still getting over a head cold, but you know, we were just talking about how the femtech industry is just like so compassionate when it comes to real life issues. Um, you know, you could you can tell people in femtech, hey, I my flow is so heavy today, I cannot show up. And people are like, <laughs> okay, no problem, right? <laughs> like, do you do you find that too? That people are just like so sympathetic and empathetic in femtech? Absolutely. And I think that it's just needed. Like it's, it's an essential part of what we're doing, right? It's like Mm -hmm. just changing how we all show up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for letting me show up like this today. Um, cause it's mostly about your voice, not mine. So I'm just here to moderate it and get the juicy stuff out of you. So, um, (laughs) let's first kick off with learning more about you. Where are you calling me from? You know, where'd you grow up and you know, what was your journey? Like, I'm sure you had another career before working in breast health. So tell me a little bit more about your story. Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm Tara Elmore. Um, I'm a co-founder of complex creatures and, I live in Maplewood, New Jersey. Um, I am from New Jersey and never thought I would move back here like most of us. Um, and here I am, um, you know, three kids and a husband later and the city became too small. Um, and, um, yeah, I have, I had another career. I still sort of have another career <laughs> that, I'm, um, that I'm doing right now. Um, but um, I've worked as a producer and a photo director and editor for the last, you know, uh, 15 years or so. Um, so I came up in publishing. I um, was a photo editor at El Decor and Architectural Digest. 
And then I more recently worked in retail, um, like, but always in home brands of One Kings Lane, Bed Bath & Beyond, that kind of thing. And so I produce photo shoots. Um, I still do a little bit right now while we're getting things off the ground. And I love the people I work with. And it's just, it's fun. Um, it's um, interestingly, a lot of it is figuring shit out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a lot of, as a founder and as a startup, it's a lot of it is relevant. Um, so just that's what of, I say about scientists all the time. Scientists are just tasked with figuring shit out with right? limited amount of money, limited time, and a whole lot of stress. We're like the ideal it's founder. Ideal. <laughs> it's like, and it's kind of the same. Like you said, it's like within budget or under budget and mm-hmm. you know, all kinds there's like, and there's always a way. Right. And I yeah. think as a scientist too, you're like, there's always a way to figure this out, to make it happen. It's just about the path of how to get there can look so different based on really what your, your goal is. Um, so yeah, so that's sort of been my, my world. Um, and yeah. How'd you get into breast health? I got into breast health after I got breast cancer. Um, I am five years in remission just this past October Um, but coming up like just six years ago, my husband actually found a tumor, my right breast. Um, I was 37. I had no family history, which now I know is actually more common than having family history. But at the time I didn't know that. Um, so I went through treatment, the whole shebang, you know, five really shitty months of chemo, um, neoadjuvant chemo a lumpectomy and radiation and then a whole year of Herceptin. So I went through that and just really through my journey of figuring out how am I not going to get cancer again and how am I going to come out of this? And my kids at the time were little, they were two mm-hmm. and four. And I was just like, how am I not going to get cancer again? And so I just dove really deep into what are all the resources I can gather? What kind of team of doctors and practitioners and clinicians do I need to keep me healthy? Who are the best, like most like forward thinking people that I can get in my network and start to like learn from and hopefully go see them. And I, that's what I did and just gathered lots information and really sort of changed my life. Wow. Let's break down breast cancer a little bit for our listeners. And thank you so much for being so open about your story. And we are, I am going to double tap on it because I know you're open about it and it's what's driving your company, you know, and we're going to get to your amazing products. But, you know, for those who don't know, like I I recently heard the statistic is one one in eight women uh, Mm -hmm. will get breast cancer. And I I heard also recently at a conference that breast cancer just surpassed lung cancer as the number one type of cancer in the world. Can you give us a little bit more statistics about like you said, um, you know, you thought it was more hereditary, but turns out it's actually less hereditary, more spontaneous. Tell us a little bit more of those statistics. Yeah. So it turns out, um, that 85% of breast cancers are not genetic, right? Mm-hmm. So that means they're being caused by other factors. Like, mm-hmm. again, I'm not a doctor, but this is what I'm learning yeah, is like, yeah. um, so environmental epigenetics, all sorts of, of different causes, right? Like toxins or, you know, all the environmental things, the lifestyle things, stress, 
is like the one of the biggest contributors, right? Um, and then some of us like within the breast cancer community will joke around like I'm stressed out about not being less stressed, right? It's like this yeah. ridiculous thing, you know, you know, it's a factor and yet we still have to coexist with it, right? So um, yeah, so that kind of blew our minds. And then, you know, one of the reasons Lisa, who's my sister and co-founder, I have two sisters, but like, and of course, everybody immediately becomes high risk, right? So now they're being monitored because you have a first degree relative increases your risk by, I think they say 50%. Mm-hmm. So just by being related. Um, again, and I am not sure about this, but I think it's not actually genetic. I think a lot of it is a lifestyle, right? It's the same with like being screened early for colon cancer, which also sort of, I'll say, quote unquote, runs in my family. But I think a lot of that has to do with um, cultural, like, how do we eat? How do we live? Right. And so there's this piece that's not quantifiable, I think, um, that is really important. Um, yeah. So anyway, to go, to go back to that. So that was sort of really blew our minds. And then was Lisa automatically being high risk was also having some of her own issues and started, mixing things up at home and, and thinking about how can she, how can she, you know, reduce her risk. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but so uh, just to go back to the the question about statistics, women under 40 are, are much more likely to find their own cancers because we're not screening for them. Yeah. I was going to ask you, like you weren't getting mammograms at the time, right? Like, so were you completely shocked when, you know, you found a lump or you said your husband did, you know, like found it. Yeah. He was like, Hey babe. And like, it was, you know, (laughs) we would just, you know, like we're spooning, like not even in a sexual way, just like, Hey, have you noticed this? And I was like, no, I haven't. And I was sort of like, "Hmm, it's weird. And I was like, let me get my period and see if it goes away. Right. Yeah. You know, our breast change and it didn't go away. And then I started to feel like, you know, have that nagging, mm-hmm. scary feeling. Um, and of course it turned out that it was cancer, but like, um, and I think the, the guidance now is really to know what your breasts feel like. But I think for me, I think one, I didn't really know what to do even though they kind of tell you and show you and, you know, we're terrible diagram with like an arrow going this way. And you're like, I, that doesn't tell me anything. Like, I don't really know what to do. Um, and even going from like my OB doing a clinical exam to then having a clinical by like a surgeon or an oncologist, like night and day. Right. Um, they're just different. They are palpating in a different way. I mean, like they're, it's not, And I think this is so important. It's why Lisa and I have been really committed to trying to not do illustrations, which they can be great, but we really think you would need to see and know and like understand, like you really have to palpate and like move your fingers in a certain way. And Mm. there's a technique to it. Right. And then not to be scared of it either, which or to be scared and do it anyway. Right. Cause we probably, we might feel afraid. Yeah. When you went to the physician, did you have any kind of fear that they wouldn't believe you that it wasn't there? Like somehow that day you wouldn't find it or, you know, like even if you did show it, like was the physician concerned right then and there or were they like, well, you're young, no worries. So I didn't have 
I felt like I couldn't always find it again. And I would like ask Steve and be like, really, wait, where was it again? Like, I just had like an anxiety around that. My OB, when I went to her, she felt it. And she was just like, yeah, like I wouldn't, I'm going to send you for screening, but I don't think it's cancer. Like you're young, you know, and it doesn't feel like cancer just from the clinical exam. It didn't feel like cancer to her. But then when I went for the screening, which I just went to like, a screening place. Like I wasn't at Sloan Kettering or yeah, you know, yeah. where there were specialists. And again, they were trained technicians. So they're a specialist in that, but I could tell right away that it was cancer. Like you could, the energy shifted, they brought somebody in right away. Oh yeah. You know, like I just, and of course, like my heart, actually I'm getting like a sinking feeling right now. I haven't like thought about that so much, but like that moment, like I could tell, and I went alone. Cause I was like, Oh, it's gonna be fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Not fine. Well, just virtual love to you, virtual hug right now. Like what a crazy moment. Um, Let's talk about chemotherapy and radiation because I feel like we just throw those words out all the time. And like we like, what is that? You know, like people who've never had cancer may not really understand that radiation is like really bad sunburn. You know, it's like lasers that are like burning you from the inside out. Like chemotherapy is literally carcinogenic liquid being injected into your body to damage all your cells with the goal of, I guess I'm answering my own question. Um, (laughs) So chemotherapy y'all is this uh, incorrect if I'm wrong. Yeah. You're the doctor here. (laughs) Chemotherapy is literally liquid toxins that they're putting into your body with this idea that cancer cells are really bad at um, fixing errors in their DNA. That's why they became cancer in the first place. And so the idea is, what if we damage all the DNA and all of your cells with the hope that your non-cancer cells will be able to fix themselves and the cancer cells won't be able to? Like, that boggles my mind that that is the mindset. Like, hey, we're going to poison you and like, hopefully, I mean, it's going to kill all your cells a little bit, but hopefully your non-cancerous ones will bounce back. Like, did they describe that to you or like, were you in the process? Put it that way, right? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy. No, they don't describe it like that at all. They don't describe (laughs) it, but they don't describe it, right? Like Western medicine is really good at treating disease. They're really good at you know, that chemotherapy probably saved my life. Like, yeah, I, yeah. you know, I, I won't ever know for sure. Right. Like w- what the outcome would have been, but like, it's like, it was very textbook, right? Like I went to three different surgeons, actually four, every single one gave me the same exact protocol, right? Neoadjuvant mm-hmm. chemo, lumpectomy, radiation, everybody and tamoxifen for five or 10 years. Right. So no one describes it like that. And I think in the moment that also the other thing they tell you is like, don't Google anything. Right. Cause mm-hmm. which is like mostly, I think a good, good advice mostly, but I think if you understood it in that way, and I think this is, you know, sometimes people ask like, what do you wish you knew? Or what would you have done differently? I think I may have just said, would it be okay if I slowed down a little bit? Like, do I have to start in three weeks, you know, could I start in five weeks or, you know, and just have like a pause because no one describes it like that. Mm-hmm. And then I think chemo, we have an idea of what we think it will be like, probably mostly from TV or movies. Yeah. If we haven't seen somebody firsthand go through that. Um, I think 
you know, I was like scared to lose my hair, but I was sort of ready for it that all of that stuff felt like, okay, fine. But thinking about when you sit down in that chair, there's something for breast cancer, a kind of chemo called red devil. Okay. It's, I don't know if you've heard of this, but like, never heard of this. What is this? It's, it's one of the chemos that they use. That's sort of like a very like common one for breast cancer, I think, or certain kinds of breast cancer. And it's literally bright red. And when the nurse comes to administer it to you, she's literally like in hazmat, like covered, you know? So you're here and you're like sitting there and it's like, wait, what? Like you can't even touch it. Like it's so toxic that like you're head to toe. Like I'm talking like a covered, like a mask and gloves and the whole thing. Right. Like, you know, think early COVID, right. Or whatever. And you're getting this, you know, they're going to put it inside your body, not just, yeah. Into your port, like into this creepy plastic thing that you have now underneath your chest. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, which by the way, was like, great, but that was like, it's weird and gross, you know? Um, but like, it's amazing because it saves your veins because the chemo is so toxic. You can't put it in your veins or you'll look like a junkie. That's why you get the port. Right. Or it can actually destroy the veins. So small. So they put it in your chest so that it goes directly into your, you know, jugular or, you know, like connected. Oh my God. Yeah. So anyway, so I think just getting back to it, the idea that we tear down the immune system to build it back up is something, you know, it's wild. Like it's wild. And I think that, um, what we're, they're good at is, is the tearing of it down, but I don't think they're so good at the building back up. And I think that's where I found so much of like, what is breast health and what is, health is like that the journey for me, like, and I hate the word journey. It's just, blah, 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 you know, like it, it can feel loaded, but like the truth, it really felt like a journey. It was like just baby step by baby step, like getting my strength back and coming back to myself and like rebuilding all that strength. And I'll say with the radiation that you're asking this idea of like being burned from the inside out is insane. And it doesn't hurt when you're getting it. So it's almost like you're not even like, what's it doing? You know, yeah, like, it's like it's an a- x-ray or an MRI. You're like, okay, I'm just laying here. Well, I'm laying here. It's like a split second and then it's over and you don't feel mm. it. But then the, the effect of it is cumulative. Mm. And so the time you're done, like personally, I felt great while I was going through it. You know, I had been through chemo. I'd been through yeah, surgery. I mean, comparison. Just- yeah. Yeah, and it was like end of summer. I was just like feeling better, right? And then it slowly takes you down. And then I'm like five years later, like it's still tight. Like it doesn't ever go away. And so that's also what blew my mind. Like nobody told me that. Like no one talked to me about that. Yeah. Well, let's jump into, you know, the movement you're making now, which is, you know, uh, your the name of your company is Complex Creatures. It's not like booby cream, right? Like right from the get-go, you know, like you're up to something bigger here, right? Um, the I, breast uh, lotion. So yeah. tell us, what is Complex Creatures? When did you start it and what does it do? Yeah, so Complex Creatures is a, a, a company to really serve breast health. We make products to support breasts at all life stages um, right now we just have two products, but our idea is really from puberty, pregnancy, menopause, PMS, all of these moments in life where 
our breasts really needed support and we haven't had much for them. Um, and so we're really approaching it holistically. Um, we have topical products. We will be launching ingestible products as well. Um, and we want to really be a resource for people, um, you know, not just to buy product, but just to learn and learn about why do our breasts need special care? What can we do for them? What can we do beyond just the actual organ, right? Like what are all these other things we can bring into our life to help support our immune function and all of these things that really feed into breast health, lymphatic health, um, balancing our hormones, all of these things. Um, I've used both of your products. So, well, I guess I haven't used both. So I I've used one of them. It's in this massage oil that smells incredible. And, you know, I read the packaging and it was like, you know, honor your breasts, give yourself a moment to just like caress them and love them. Cause they're yours. Even if society says they belong to everyone else, they belong to men, they belong to your partner, they belong to babies. Totally. They belong to media like no, no, no. For a moment right now, these are mine. These are my breasts and it smells so good and it feels so good. And I honestly in that moment was like, oh, this is what they're talking about. Not just this like woo woo self-care moment like, oh, take a bubble bath. Like truly like this is my body and like these breasts are incredible and like I'm going to honor them even if it's two minutes. Like those two minutes are more than any other minutes I've ever given them before you know, besides like putting a push-up bra on or putting, you know, whatever on them. And so that was incredible. And then this other cream was for, um, like this post breast cancer, like massage cream. And so I actually just went ahead and send it to, sent it to one of our directors at Femtech Focus, Sahar Paz. Um, we absolutely adore her, love her. She's been a good friend of mine for many years and she's, uh, you know, just, entering remission now, hopefully for her breast cancer, sent her the cream while she was in radiation. And she said that it was absolutely, um, critical to her, like feeling somewhat human. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about those two products? Yeah. I love hearing that. I, you know, it's like bittersweet hearing, like it's so, it's just sucks that people have to go through this, but being able to support and provide a little bit of relief is, just like it could break, it brings me to tears like every time. Um, so I'm so glad that you passed it on. Um, the bomb, like you mentioned, is was really formulated thinking about compromised breast tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, so we formulated with our lab and also with our herbalist, and then had a blessing from our um naturopathic oncologist really thinking about like, what are the different kinds of burns? Like what if you have a weepy burn or what if you have a dry burn and, or what if, and so it's really good just through radiation. So you could use it like, you know, of course they'll tell you like go with dry skin, but you could use it right after your treatment. And then again, at night for a bed, it really protects the skin. So it's hydrating, it's nourishing. Um, it's going to provide like a barrier to protect the skin, but also then like go deeper to really heal, like continue to heal the skin as you're getting that, the radiation internally. Um, and then it's also really good for scars. So any kind of scars, um, any kind of radiation too, but, um, and this product is available on your website. Yep. It's available on our website, um, through Instagram, Facebook website. We do have some other, you know, wholesalers, um, and a lot of practitioners, um, that have been, 
word of mouth and and spreading, just getting it out there to really like trying to find the people who need it the most because mm-hmm. um, there's really nothing else like it on the market. Um, and you think about it like it's sunburn, right? Or a tattoo. Like you don't want to just put regular old like bat, bed, like bath and body works lotion on that stuff, you know? So I was so happy to hear that Sahar had an amazing experience with it and that it really helped her. Um, what about, so, you know, you have this balm for the woman who has all this like trauma to her skin, but then we have that oil that I have that I just absolutely love. And I want to talk about the importance and you guys do such a great job of messaging this out of getting to know your own breasts. Right. And like why and how, and, um, you know, I can imagine there is a little bit of like opportunity to feel for lumps. Right. So there's like this kind of, um, intimate, nice smelling moment to do your breast exam on yourself, right? With your oil. But I think you guys go further beyond that of really like taking autonomy over your breast. So tell me more about that part and why you think it's so important for prevention and health of women. Yeah, totally. There's so many things um, that I want to respond to there. So first <laughs> of all, the fact that before you were saying mine, and I don't know if we ever talked about this, but our first name working name for the company was mine because we feel so deeply that there needs, it's like breasts are for who are, who, who do they belong to? Like, are they for men? Are they for media? Are they for babies? Are they for ourselves? Like this idea of reclamation and just that like, yes, like maybe at times they can, they can, and they will be for all those other things, but like there need to first be ours. Right. And, and we need to know them. And it's so important because uh, most of a lot of us find our breast cancer on our own and beyond breast cancer. There's so many other issues that women go through. 99 million women in the U S alone experience at least one breast related issue per year. Okay. So that's a lot. Like that's a lot of us. What are other kind of breast issues? Like, real like yeah, totally. So you could have calcifications or you could have just dense breasts, which is more about the tissue makeup. It's not so much an issue, but that can make it hard to detect. Um, you could have soreness from PMS, which is really like about hormone imbalance. And so there are things that we can do to like the oil, for instance, if you were using the oil for massage, it can alleviate some of that breast pain Mm. through the massage. You're helping move the lymph, which helps drain the excess estrogen. And that's the thing that's usually causing breast pain or discomfort during PMS. So there like are things that we can do, you know, we just don't, we haven't really been taught. And so I think, um, there's a practitioner called Lisa Levitt Gainsley. Um, she wrote the book of lymph and she's just like, she's a genius. Like she's been practicing lymphatic massage for a long time. We always hear like, did it spread to the lymph nodes? And why is that so important? And you know, the, the neck and the chest and the breast are full of lymph nodes. So having healthy lymphatic flow and doing a daily or even weekly, like whatever you can do, like you said, if it's two minutes or 30 seconds, like something's better than nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, so getting into that practice. And so just back to the oil, like the oil practice is really for just like a daily or a regular routine. You know, you can use it just for breast massage, which again, just is good for the breast tissue. It's good to get to know your breasts. Um, every, every massage doesn't have to be a search and find mission. Um, for some of us, it might be hard or impossible to have it not be, but like, you know, if you can find that middle ground, um, or, you know, just wherever, start where you're at. 
think we hear from so many people that they're just afraid to touch them. So they don't. Uh, well, you know, my experience is I had an unfortunate sexual assault growing up and it involved my breasts. And for many, many years, like could not have my breasts, whether it be my money or somebody else could not have them intimately touched in terms of like softly or caressed, right? Like they could only be quote unquote manhandled. Like it was the only way I was able to like deal with it without having a flashback. And, um, I see your oil as, you know, I've done many, many hours of therapy, y'all, <laughs> a lot of therapy, a lot of body work, a lot of stuff. And, and I still sometimes struggle with it, but I find your oil as this opportunity to like, as like a, a gateway. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is it's lotion. And it helps me like have this like self-care mindset versus like sexual mindset. And so I, there's so much opportunity here, like whether it be hidden scars or, or visible ones. Um, I'd love to talk about lymph nodes for a second. Uh, so I know I see you're like so emotional over there. There's just so much there. And I think the, the, like what you're saying is like the scars we can see are the ones we don't. And I think we all have those like, and they run really deep and they're old and maybe we remember them or maybe we don't remember them or, but we can feel them, right? Like yeah. they're there. And I think just as you're, I don't know, like, thank you for sharing that. It's so vulnerable. And I think that I'm guessing a lot of people will be able to relate to that. Yeah. Uh, and that like, just know that every ingredient in there is really like essential for breast health. And especially the, all of the essential oils are like chosen because they have a breast health benefit. So mm-hmm. just like know that, you know, mm-hmm. it's not just like, oh, it just smell, it does smell good, but it's like, there's a healing that can occur, you know, especially I loved your word reclamation, right? Cause it was, it's like me taking them back. It's mine. These are mine on my terms. Right. And that's, it's so beautiful. Um, back to science real fast. So lymph nodes. So for those who are not familiar, like, okay, I've heard this thing, lymph nodes, like, what are they really? My understanding is that lymph nodes are one, a place where antibodies are created. So it's like your immune system is like checking out different pieces from of like, uh, foreign bacteria and viruses from around your body. And they're assessing like, should we make antibodies? Right. And so they're like these antibody making machines, but also they are essentially the like um, drainage system of your body. So your heart pumps out the blood and the blood does come back, most of it, but not all of it. And so you need these locations in your body to kind of collect the residual blood that didn't 110% make it back to your heart so that it can circulate back through. Is that is that a good explanation, give or take, of what a lymph node is? Yeah, I think it is. I think the other thing that how I understand it is also they're 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 cleansing like a fluid, right? And so like whereas the blood circulation, I, this is I think how I understand it, the blood does have the has the heart to pump, but mm-hmm. the lymph system actually doesn't have a pump. So we it moves mm-hmm. through physical activity. So that's why I, like exercise is so important. But then, you know. And that's why manually draining it in the breast, because we also, we wear sports bras and we restrict them. So they don't move that much unless we move them um, or unless you don't wear a bra. I'm thinking about my end of day bra release. And I tell my partner, I'm like, it's the best time of the day. And I unhook my bra and I pull it through one sleeve and I go like this, a little shimmy. I go, (laughs) and it's, you know, like kind of funny or whatever, but like literally every night I'm like, oh yeah, the little shimmy, but that's the first jiggle they get for the most part. How good does that feel? It's like, and 
it's sort of like a reminder that, oh, they actually need that, you know? And so I love hearing that. That's great. <laughs> Where yeah, are the lymph nodes in the breast? Like, is it, are they everywhere. behind the Everywhere? Really every, they're all through the neck. So I'm like doing this. Most people probably aren't seeing this, but you know, it's all through your neck, your armpits, and then through your breasts. And there's a lot of them. Wow. Why, do we know why there are so many in your breasts? You know what? I don't know why there are so many in your breast, but I know that the make the the anatomy of the breast is so complex mm-hmm. um, that and it's made up of so much fat. And the fat, I think, can like hold on to the toxins. And so mm-hmm. I think that's why um maybe that's why there's so many, actually. Yeah. If you think about, like if you think that their job is to remove toxins, right? And that the breasts are made up of a lot of fat. I don't, I'm like guessing here. Someone's going to tell me I'm wrong. Um, and that would be great. Like if I had a more scientific- Yeah, reach out to us, Instagram. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it because you asked and I'm like, you know yeah. what, that would maybe make sense, right? If the job is to keep them clean. And, you know, if you think about them, there was no alternative to feeding babies until very recently, right? Mm-hmm. Like in history, so just think about- their job as far as keeping toxins out and keeping it clean and sustaining life just from an evolutionary perspective, like, you know, pretty important function. Pretty important. Well, let's talk about how breasts change throughout our lifetime. So, you know, women will listening will know this, that, you know, we hit puberty, all of a sudden we have little nodes on our chest and then they develop and they grow. And then, you know, we have pregnancy breasts, we have postpartum breasts that are breastfeeding. Then we have menopause breasts. So can you give us kind of an overview of what are some of the major changes that happen in breasts over time for females? Yeah, totally. So I think, um, I, I was brushing up a little bit on this when we were talking, cause I wasn't so a while ago, Lisa and I, had our minds a little bit blown, it seems sort of obvious, but when you think about it, breasts are the only organ that are building themselves after birth, right? Like Mm. the groundwork is laid in in utero and um, I forget the name, but it's like the the chest wall thickens and Mm. sort of prepares that there will be breasts, right? Like the information's there. And then that's sort of it, I think, until puberty, which is usually like, you know, nine, 10, like things start to change a little bit depending on, on the person. Um, and then, you know, you have start budding and then really like the fat starts to build and the lymph nodes start and the milk ducts start to develop. And that process I think is pretty long. I don't think it fully completes until like maybe 17 or 18. So it could be, it's many years. Um, And then every month they also change, right? As your hormones change and as your cycle goes, they prepare to be pregnant. And then, you know, if you're not pregnant, then they, they kind of retreat and and go back. So they're really Mm -hmm. like, they're always changing and they're meant to be always changing. So it really is why they are susceptible. Like the, the nature of the anatomy plus the nature of their function, right. Is to sort of constantly change and prepare to lactate, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, or prepare to be ready to start lactating. So there's lots of changes, um, which is why it's also important. Like, of course, the feel it on the first movement is fantastic. And it's a great, you know, it's catchy. It's a great way to get people to think about it, but like, really you should be feeling and getting to know your breasts, like at, 
each stage of the month, right? Or so that you know what's changing when and what feels normal and what doesn't for you. Like it's because it's so different for everyone. Yeah. I have one more breast question before I wrap up this interview. I've seen a few people on my social media who had previously had breast implants and now they're having them removed and they're having them removed for health concerns, for self-love reasons. They're like, wait, actually, like I'm fine with what I was born with. Like, why do I even have these? Um, where does, you know, your balms, your lotions and your branding come into play when you think about, you know, um, cosmetic surgery. And I'm not necessarily referring to women who are, you know, getting reconstruction. Cause I feel like that's a whole nother bucket, but like women who are breast enhancement surgery, you know, um, where are we at culturally? Like, is that decreasing? Are we still like really high with it or like what, what's happening in that field? Okay. I think this has been really interesting because, you know, we've been pretty active in the space for the last couple of years. And I would say um, the BII or breast implant illness community. So there is something called breast implant illness. I didn't know that. Okay. It's actually wild. People are very sick and have been, you know, I think it's becoming, there's more awareness around it now. But I think for a while, people were 100% being gaslit, like you're crazy, but like you could be losing your hair, you could become depressed, suicidal, have different kinds of pain, um, all all of these things, and they're tying it to breast implant illness. And so a lot of people are choosing to explant for that reason. And then I think there's also what you said, just this moment of like, wait a minute, like, where did this idea come from that I'm not enough, right? Just the way that I am or was and and why does my why is my self-worth tied up in this body part right mm-hmm. um i think it's such an important part of the conversation i think a lot of people are choosing this a lot of people are also choosing not to do reconstruction mm-hmm. um and i think it's really interesting um i think it's really um I don't want to say brave because I actually sort of hate when people are like, you're so brave. And I'm like, I just did what I had to do, you know, but I think, and I would think a lot of um, people would maybe relate to that and that those communities, but I think there's something really vulnerable about sharing it and just really being where you're at. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, it goes back like to our name, not to, you know, it's just like, it is so complex, like just the organ itself, but like us, our relationship to them, there's so much duality. Like you said, it's like, they're sexual, they're not sexual. They're, you know, it's like, there's just so much to unpack, um, from a medical perspective and then a cultural perspective as well. Yeah. Kind of reminds me, I'm really sharing on this episode today. I don't know if I've ever shared this. I used to have a nipple ring in college and mm-hmm. I didn't like it. It freaking hurt going in. Like it was such a painful experience. And like, I literally had it probably for three years and that entire time it was painful. And I just kept telling myself like, oh, it'll heal eventually. It'll heal eventually. And then I was one night in college, 
I was, you know, having a good night and I was, you know, a little intoxicated and decided, screw this ring. I hate this thing. And I took it out and I needed the alcohol to be brave enough to do it. But, you know, I look back at that and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I really was motivated unconsciously by this idea of almost punishing them, you know, of this like idea that I needed to punish it. And also that it somehow like my breasts would be better if they had accessories on them, you know? And, um, it's just really interesting to see again, these like hidden scar stuff and like how we are behaving around our own bodies based on things that we didn't even, I mean, I was not, maybe it was just cause I hadn't been in enough therapy yet, but like, I wasn't thinking like, Oh, I have these emotional scars that are stored lit- biologically in my breast. So I'm going to like puncture a hole through them, hoping that like that fixes it. Looking back though, that's exactly what I was doing. Exactly. And also this idea of like, maybe if I make them look tougher, I will be more safe you know, or almost like this, um, not a chastity belt, but like a chat, you know, some kind of like defense, like, Hey, I'm very tough. Like, don't, don't think you can just like get away with things, you know? Um, do you see that maybe being kind of a similar mindset around these like explant stuff? I do. And I think that, God, that's so interesting. Yeah. And I think it's, I think everyone has, we all have these like scarring moments. I think mm-hmm. that like, and they show up through our breasts a lot often. Like I don't, often, I can relate yeah. to what you're saying. Like I kind of always hated my boobs. I just like, they weren't like my mom and my sister had like small perky boobs and mine just didn't look like that. And I mean, they're small, but they, my nipples weren't what I saw on TV or in porn or whatever. I just never thought they were like, right. Quote unquote, you yeah. know? And then I got cancer and I didn't have to get them removed, which I didn't want. Some people like just want them gone. I didn't have that feeling and it wasn't recommended. So I didn't do that. But I can remember, I've told this story a couple of times, but I can remember going back to work after my surgery and being in, you know, being in the photo studio and it was freezing and my nipples were hard and feeling like in the past, I would have felt like I want to cover them up or I would yep. feel embarrassed or I was like, I still have my nipples. And I was like, so happy <laughs> hard. And I didn't care who, like if anyone could see them, I just, it was such a shift of, and just this moment of like, well, nothing has changed, but everything's changed. Right. They're yeah. still, the, still the same, but like my relationship to them has shifted. Yeah. Wow. So powerful. This has been such a great interview. Thanks for being so vulnerable. Like definitely set the stage for me to be vulnerable. We have two last questions that our listeners really love. The first one is we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs that listen. So what's an area in women's health and wellness that you think still needs innovating? Mm. Besides all of it. I know like all of it. (laughs) Sorry, a long pause. Um, breast health, join us. Um, I think, I think sexual wellness too. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, it's an area that um, I know it's happening. It's definitely happening. But I think I like these conversations, right, where we're unpacking like what's the like inter- this tangential sexual wellness, breast health, right? Like sexual wellness, we always think of vaginas, right? vaginas and vibrators, yep. right? That's what I think of, or sexy lingerie, but like, it's actually so much more intimate than that. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah. I'd love to hear more conversations about that. Cool. And our last question is, what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? 
Money, money, money. <laughs> money, right? I mean, money, I really do. Um, and data, like, I think what you're doing is so genius. And I think that, um, and support, I know that you asked for one thing and I said three, but I, I just think it's, it's really like the combination of those things. And I, I, what has moved me the most, um, is the power of the connection and how much, other women in these tangential spaces really want to help one another has been like really incredible. Um, and just, yeah, it's blown my mind. Oh, I love it. Tara, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to my interview with Tara Elmore, the co-founder of Complex Creatures. Be sure to get your 25% off discount by going to wearecomplexcreatures.com and use promo code FEMTECH for 25% off. Be sure to subscribe to the FEMTECH Focus newsletter, join our virtual community, and follow us on social media. Share the show with a friend and continue to advocate for women's health innovation because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.